pocket. Liam Kelly steps a goal. Chelly's run to the space. It's a classical set player to throw in now. Where was that late? All right, Steph. Well, we we're back for it's been what about a month since we've had an episode, and it's sort of been weird trying to get back into the mindset of uh, back into the podcast, especially with footy now almost done and dusted for the year. But we are we're pretty excited to have our very first special guest yeah. on our episode on our podcast today, and that is uh, a man who played. 146 games for the Melbourne Football Club. He also represented Victoria at the State of Origin and is a life member from the football club, and that is Andrew Leoncelli. Andrew, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Happy to be here. Sort of, we were having a chat just before about adjusting to kind of post-lockdown life, but how's everything for you going at the moment? How are you sort of coming out the other end of, you know, what we hope is is to be back to a little bit of a sense of normality? Um, very pleasingly, uh, Tim, over the last two weeks, we've uh, been able to go back to meeting people. I work in project marketing, which is a type of <clears throat> real estate. And for a long time, we've been locked in at home, unable to do any work at all. So mm. um, it's been really refreshing the last couple of weeks to, to get back to some level of business. And we're looking forward to further restrictions being eased this Sunday. Yeah, like. yeah, fingers crossed. Um, because it's about time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? So, so we sort of thought we'd start in a little bit of a chronological order. And if we go back to your, your junior football career, I was just sort of, my first yep. question is, where where did your love of footy come from? And I suppose what got you into starting to play it from, from a young age? Um, my dad was a passionate Essendon supporter. Um, he grew up in a... In, a, in Hawthorne and Kew actually and his dad was a 54-year um, member of the Hawthorne Social Club and a passionate hawk mm. and where they worked was on the backside of the Glenfrey Oval but my dad loved John Coleman and convinced his brother and sister um, to be Essendon supporters so mm. I grew up playing junior footy in Kew, yeah. played it with my schoolmates, played at the Kew Rovers for many years um, we used to drive grandma's uh, 1970s Corolla um, on a Saturday from Kew all the way out to Windy Hill and wedge it up on the grass because back in the day I used to park up on the nature strip and um, it was an amazing time watching that, you know, the bombers from sort of 78 through to 1990 before they moved to the MCG and I've just got great memories of, of that period of uh, my childhood supporting the, the Bombers, yeah, um, those great champions that played for them at that point. Yeah, um, I hate them now, of course. <laughs> I hate them with a passion, but but um, I, I do remember fondly those players and that those times and winning the '84 and '85 flags. Um, so, so I grew up in Kew and played school footy and local community footy, and that's really really where it started. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, fantastic. So, Andrew, growing up, being a mad Bombers fan, did you have a football hero? Yeah. Was there someone that you tried to model your game off when you began your football career? Um, no, no, I don't think there was one player that I w- would model my game on because, you know, all of them were much better than me. So, <laughs> um, you know, t- t- Terry Danaher was an was a, a unbelievable champion and, and versatile mm. champion. Um and Timmy Watson was an explosive great champion. Simon Madden, the best ruckman of all time. Um, 
Um, you know, there's this, they're probably the three that really stood out for me yeah. over a long period of time. And they're all great characters in their own way and great footballers, but I'm pretty sure that no one would compare me to any of those three <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but I certainly pretended. I had a great imagination as a kid. I certainly um, um, thought I was them playing um, imaginary um, games of football out on the street in between cars driving past. So um, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Do you want to tell us a little bit about your path, I suppose, going from your junior football career then uh, getting into the AFL? Because you did have, I suppose, yeah. a, uh, let's say, diverted path to, uh, you know, getting drafted to Carlton in the preseason draft, but then obviously ending up at the Mel- at Melbourne. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about, I suppose, that whole experience yeah. and that how, how you sort of went through that? Yep. It started with my year 12 English exam, which was the very first VC exam that you ever did. Yep. Yeah. And middle of the Great Hall at Xavier College and um, you know, there's 250 boys doing their first VC exam and halfway through or a third of the way through, I hear the, the door open at the back of the Great Hall and then these leather shoes clip, clop, clip, clop all the way down. <laughs> I kept getting closer and closer and I'm going, what the hell? And then basically the Year 12 coordinator, so the boss of the Year 12 came up, tapped me on the shoulder in the middle of my exam, looked up at him and he said, come and see me after your exam. But oh, he my has goodness. a strange look on his face. And so I'm thinking, what have I done? Or yeah. <laughs> That's not what you really want. really couldn't concentrate. The, not what I wanted. No. And um, he just couldn't hide his joy that Aww. Carlton had rung him and said, can you pass on to, to Andrew that we want him to come and do pre-season? No guarantees, but come and spend the summer with us and see what happens. And mm. he was so excited he couldn't control himself. He had to come in the middle of my year 12 exam to tell me. Yeah, wow. Well. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I just wish that he'd come later. But nice anecdote, <laughs> I went to Carlton and did a, pre- did a pre-season there. Um, I used to tackle and I think they were a bit shocked at ta- people that tackled and smothered back in those days. So yeah. <clears throat> they liked my style of play. They, they picked me up in the preseason draft. Um, and then I played all games for the year, 23 games, but it was a very difficult um, environment. It wasn't very nurturing, I would say. Um, not like the support that the players get these days, a real sink or swim sort of um, environment. Yeah. Um, and if you weren't Cooter or Ange, who were, you know, men at the same age as me, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of development. So um, I didn't really enjoy it much, to be honest. And then I got delisted from uh, 52 to 42. They offered me the supplementary list and I didn't really enjoy the environment, so I didn't continue. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, went to, I went up to Brisbane for a year um, to study, so I took a year off. Um, I wrote David Park a note saying at 19 I refused to think that I was finished when I hadn't really begun. Yeah. So I kept fit. Um, trained, came back, went to the old Zavs, had, had a year there and was really relaxed about footy, you know, just yeah. was very social, which is a good thing, but um, won the best of Ferris, played for Victoria and we won the flag. Um, and then Barry Richardson, very fortunately, was Neil Baum's, like, best friend. Yeah. And he yeah. ended up coming to Melbourne um, as the chairman of the match committee um, and he brought Michael Blood, who was a, probably the most decorated VAFA footballer ever and Anthony McDonald across. So the three of us had played mm. in the grand final team at the old Zavs. Um, Anthony did his hamstring before the last practice game. I got an opportunity. I kicked three goals up against Collingwood at Lavington and they delisted someone and, and put me on the senior list. Um, and then that was the start. But I did break my ankle for the first two years um, in each season. So I missed mm. a whole year of footy in that first two years. Yeah. Um, so I only played 19 games out of the 40-odd games. 
Um, but basically, you didn't miss much after that, which was great. So, yeah, well, and you, um, you kind of kind of touched on, I suppose, a little bit of my next question. But you sort of like my next question was sort of talking about what the biggest adjustment would have been from playing in the ammos to then going to league footy. And you just kind of said, like, it's really interesting that you kind of, you know, you came in and uh, with your experience with Carlton and then I suppose that aspect of not enjoying it and the difference between that and then going back and being relaxed about your footy and how that sort of changed your mindset. But was there any sort of, I suppose, big adjustment once you got to the Ds and once you sort of got in, got some games under your belt, I guess it would have been frustrating being injured at the start. But was there a really big, I guess, adjustment period or anything that you noticed straight off the bat when you started playing AFL? That... Arrived at Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, not so much the adjustment. I mean, obviously, the physically much bigger. But yeah. um, I think the environment at Melbourne was very welcoming. Yeah. You know, it was a really good, friendly bunch of people, maybe too friendly and maybe not professional enough, particularly in that period of time, so the results weren't there. But, yeah. you know, the positive of that meant, meant that I got an opportunity because maybe we weren't as strong as we should have been. Um, and that did change over time. But I found that initial environment um, really comforting. It put me at ease, made me um, confident, but gave me opportunity. They were very supportive. Um, so that was in stark contrast to, to the experience at Carlton. And, and, you know, when people say nice things about you and give you a bit of help, it's amazing you know, um, how yeah. you respond. That's typically. right. Boost your confidence. So, and, yeah. It boosts your confidence and, yeah, they work with you and they direct and gave you good feedback and gave me a chance. So um, it was just, you know, um, I found myself at home at Melbourne and, and, and flourished in that environment, which was great. That's awesome. Andrew, thinking back to 1997, now it was a season where the Ds finished the bottom, but it was one of your best seasons. Despite only playing 12 games, you did finish third in the BNF, which is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about that season? Um. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that would have been your one and only season under Neil Barman. I suppose obviously there's a big shift at the end of that year where you know he was relieved of his duties, and then the the panel then selected Danaher. And I guess from then we've got this, I suppose, pretty astonishing tenure of. Um, and I remember, you know, as a as, how old was I? Uh, what about an eight year old, nine year old, sort of remembering this yo yoing effect from. From being, um, you know, successful one year, and then I suppose, and then you know, falling the other, and it was almost this, this ongoing joke with our family, who are all, all you know, diehard Melbourne supporters. But I remember, obviously, '98, you know, we come fourth, and we we have a really good finals run, getting to the prelim, losing to Adelaide, and then '999, finishing 14th, 2000. Obviously, we know the story in in um, getting getting to the grand final there. But I suppose. What was the biggest shift you saw in the club and I guess the playing group when Danis, um came in at the at the start of '98? So, so as I said, Melbourne was a very welcoming environment for me, which was good and supportive. '96 to '97, the two years with Neil Baum, and then um, Neil brought Neil Danaher brought this intensity and an urgency and an energy and a ferocity that had been lacking, and which um, drew an immediate response from the playing group because it wasn't like it was a significantly different playing group. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. There were some good people that obviously came in, but, um, but, but you know, the core of the team was there and it was just about getting a bit of focus, a bit of intensity, some real energy back in the group. It was a commitment to um, running as well. You know, we did lots of cross-training. Um, anyone that was vaguely injured 
previously cross trained. There's lots of swimming and bike riding and all sorts of things. And Neil said, mate, those bikes and the pool just, you know, you're going to play football. You don't play it on a bike. So I expect you to run. And so then you see Gary Lyons, Steve Tingo, all these guys <laughs> that had chronic injuries for a long time back running, running really well. And yeah. then they played really well. Yeah. In 98, it was so exciting being part of that team, which I think was probably the best team in the last 20 or 30 years at least. Mm. Um, and we should have won the flag. I was going to say, yeah, do you think? Yeah. North Melbourne, we didn't. We certainly had the ability to beat Adelaide, which we had by nine goals two weeks earlier. Yeah. So I think I think if we played Adelaide, we would have been supremely confident that we would have been able to win the grand final. Oh, very, um, but yeah. we couldn't get over North. <laughs> I very, I very um, clearly remember. Sorry, I just very, I have this very clear memory of Dad. You know, it's it's one of those things that he'll he'll always say. Ninety eight, he goes, we we would have beaten Adelaide that year. Like that was <laughs> that was one of those chances that, um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, got by us. So so Neil brought this real sort of you know um, I guess it was an intensity which had been lacking and and um, the boys you know it was an immediate response. I think that actually needed a bit of a kick in the in the, in the shins. Yeah, and that's what he gave <laughs> us, um, and we all responded pretty quickly because he's pretty direct and, and full of emotion and, and energy. And um, it's just a very exciting time, but it was noticeably different. Um, and, you know, he was able to coach for 10 years, which is pretty extraordinary, um, and have quite a lot of success, but not the ultimate success, playing lots of final series. So yeah. um, he was certainly an excellent coach, no doubt about that. Andrew, what was the best win that you were involved in in your career that comes to mind? Uh, I think that's pretty easy. It's the 2000 <laughs> first semi against Carl- Carlton yeah. when we came from four or five goals down at three-quarter time um, to beat um, what John Elliott said were the, the guaranteed uh, premiership or at least going to play in the grand final against Essendon that year. And yeah. they had beaten us by 100, 100 points in round 13. Um, Neil was very inspirational at that three-quarter time break. He says, no point um, losing by a point. Um, you know, we've got to win, which means we can take the game. I don't care if you lose by nine goals or five goals or three goals, but we have to win. So it means take the risk, play on, back yourself, back your teammate, get the ball going. And we just really responded to that sort of positive uh, message. And the boys ran over the top of um, Blues and I did kick a good goal late in the quarter, which I do remember fondly. Um and so it was nice to play a part late in the game of such an important game. And then uh, when we we're in the change rooms later, we had like an all of club sort of um, club song with the uh, trainers and everyone. And yeah. it just, you know, it was such an exciting win. There was tears and you know, these guys that have been um, around the club for a long time, had tears in their eyes and um, it was just a super win. So that was definitely a good one. Um, winning a preliminary final against North, that was a great game of football. Yeah. Um, to get into a grand final, you know, lots of people played well that night. It was a great game of football, high scoring, lots of great players on the ground. So that was also a very good win. Um, but yeah, they're, they're two sort of spectacular ones. Standouts, and, yeah. Um, two standouts, yeah. Absolutely. Both finals. Yeah. Beating, beating Adelaide in '98 too. That was very exciting too, because uh, and we beat St Kilda as well. It was just. It was all just very exciting, all the finals. Yeah, yeah. finals are special. There's something about footy finals, isn't there? It's a special time of the year. Andrew, toughest yep. opponent, who comes to mind for you? For you? Um, I probably performed the worst on Gary Hocking. <laughs> um, so so um, only because it, it kind of went 
he went both ways. He was an outside player and he was an inside player. Yeah. Um, I think that they also kicked it to him in positions where you wouldn't expect the, the natural flow of the play to go. Like, so he kind of commanded the ball. So you'd be like, um, guard, not guard, you know, guarding him, but, but sort of he'd be in the, you know, where you wouldn't expect or where you, I wouldn't kick the ball, like the non-direct way home, and they would kick it to him. So you, you got penalised for, for zoning off him. Um, and he was a good finisher and he was hard at it. So he was a good player. Um, Brett Ratton, I think, was the most consistent and yeah. always played well against Brett and enjoyed it because, you know, he was really the engine room of all those great Carlton teams, <laughs> um, setting up the Capriales and the Bradleys and those guys. So he was, you know, terrific, terrific football, and I like playing against him. Um, Michael Voss was a tough opponent. He was very strong, yeah, very Michael aggressive, um, yeah, much bigger mm. than me. So, <laughs> uh, but I did. I, I didn't have to play on um, Robert Harvey, and I, I laugh about it because Guy Ragone and I catch up regularly, and I just always remember him chasing Robert Harvey down the wing at Wayne <laughs> Park, and I was just going, "Thank God that's not me." Yeah, oh, <laughs> that would have been imagine. tough, Harvey. <laughs> I know that you sort of got to the club towards the, um, you know, ninety five, ninety six, and. Obviously, that that period of time was quite difficult for Melbourne, given that there was the proposed merger with Hawthorne. I'd be interested to know that from a fresh face sort of coming in and experiencing a club that was going through that sort of time, what was what was the mood like? I suppose with all of that going on, given that there was, um, you know, like in the end, the board obviously voted for Melbourne to go through it, but I, and I, I remember being at that last game with Melbourne versus Hawthorne, the merger game. Um, with Dad and I've, yeah, I don't think I've ever I seen see. him so angry um, by losing by a point. But it was, yeah, obviously a bit of an unsure time for us. But I'd really would like to know what what it was like on the inside from your end. I mean, it was a very very nervous time, um, mixed with, I guess, the um, great excitement of finally playing league footy. So you know, it was a, a very strange time for me because. I was very happy that I was in the team and playing, but then thinking that the club was finished and that, you know, I wouldn't make the, the best 40 of what a combined Hawthorne and Melbourne would look like. So, um, and then it was just very surreal, you know, very old football club, been around a long time, to be having these meetings and to be talking about the fact that we don't have any um, cash, we've got assets, but Hawthorne had cash and no assets and what a great partnership it would have been. Yeah. I mean, of course, it would have been a, it would have been a great merger, but, you know, the uh, true identity of both clubs would have been um, lost, mm. I guess, or certainly changed. Um, so, yeah, it was sort of, it was a very interesting time to put that way. But um, pleasingly, we continued in 97. Yeah. And I, I got a full career out of it. We're, we're still standing and seem to be in reasonable <laughs> financial shape after ye- years of heartache. So, yeah. yeah. I think the club's in pretty good spot, pretty good spot to move forward from, which will be, which will be exciting to watch. Absolutely. Andrew. Thinking back to your your playing days and your teammates that you've played alongside, who comes to mind as the yeah. most talented player you've played with? Oh well, there's a couple. Jeff Farmer did things that no one else could do. Yeah, so he was, didn't he? You know, my my opponent and I would be looking at each other and going, "Wow, that like did you see that? That's incredible! <laughs> like how's he do it?" You know, when he was on song, he made everybody just. Um, I guess, aghast with his talent and his skills and his energy. So he was incredible. Um, Adam Uze was just a, a beautiful footballer, um, a really strong overhead mark, which he doesn't get lots of credit for. So a great one-on-one um, overhead mark and a great user of the ball and um, able to conjure something out of not much. So he was very good. I thought Stephen Tingo was probably 
you know, the romantic favourite of mine. Um, <laughs> you know, it was hard. He was skillful. He overcame adversity. And then, of course, Todd Viney really sort of taught me lots about footy and, and how to play. And I used Todd as a real example in the way I went about my footy. Um, and so he was he was really good to me and taught me lots. So there's four pretty good players. Yeah. I mean, Shane Malone had a, a great year in 2000. Jeff White was a great champion. Um, you know, uh, Gary Lyon was a very good footballer. But really, probably those three, the, the, the Uzo, the Farmer and... Tingay and then and then Todd Viney as well for sheer consistency and, and just commitment to the ball and the man and the club you know and you yeah. see that Jack just, just such so that Apple doesn't fall far from the tree and just the way that he plays it's just half his dad's size unfortunately <laughs> but no, that's that's exactly right, and I mean a lot of those players that you've just mentioned there. I mean a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of the players that I admired and loved as as a young kid, um, and as you as you mentioned before, like one that you uh, regularly catch up with in Guy Rigoni, you know, it's just part of that integral integral group that really kind of spanned that career that you played with. Like that whole entire playing group didn't really change too much. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of turnover. Uh, you would say it was pretty uh, consistent that entire time. Yep, Steve Powell, the McDonald brothers. Um, you know, it was good consistency in the middle and, and a good even contribution. You know, they yeah. called us the blue collar working group, which is right. You know, we didn't have real superstars. Um, and, and that's the thing. We're probably we, we missed a James Hurt, you know, who really stood out from the group. But, but I guess we, we were the engine room for the club for a long time and there was good consistency and great memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I bet. I bet. And just uh, lastly, on your, I suppose, on, on your part of the playing career, obviously Neil Danaher has been such a, a huge inspiration, obviously for uh, Melbourne fans, but also for the football world and, and everything else that he does. What's one of the biggest learnings that you've taken with your time with him? Yeah, he, look, first of all, he's a great family person. Um, he loves his sport. He's a, he's a great, proud country person. Um, you know, he loved his boys. He still loves his boys. He's been yeah. very loyal and... and um, really consistent too in his effort you know reaching out uh, making sure you're okay um, rallying people behind you he's very good like that you know if he hears that someone's in trouble he'll make sure that you know two or three of us will you know make a call or you know so he's, he's been very fatherly i guess to the group yeah um, and i think he loved his time loved his time at the club he probably didn't end the way he wanted never does really but i think he's very proud of what he did at melbourne the legacy that he's left absolutely um, i think he was frustrated it frustrated he didn't win, you know, the ultimate. And I think he would have dearly loved that. You know, he was cut down as a player and I think that drove him in his coaching. He's very intense as a coach. Um, but, yeah, no, he's taught us lots of lessons and he's um, daily in our life on these WhatsApp groups. And so yeah. we're still in really good contact with him. And, um, you know, what a what an inspiration yeah, his battle has been. Yeah. And the fight that he fights, he's giving every single bit of himself that he's got to this cause and to, to last as long as he can and to, to do as much as he can. So, um, yeah, he's a very important person. That's still. right. And you use the word driven there, and I think that's such, you know, such a key word that really kind of sums up, from I suppose, from an outsider and from a supporter point of view. It's always somebody that's that's driven to you know to achieve that his goals and, and, and do his best will with everybody that he's involved in, which I think is pretty... Pretty amazing, and yeah, we continue to marvel him as a Melbourne fan, but also just as a human being as well too. And yeah, playing playing that role, he's, he's certainly somebody that a lot of us all, all look up to. But let's move to the current day, Dees. What's your what's your current thoughts on on the Dees at the moment? How how are you feeling about him? I know. Um, look, everyone was upset we didn't play finals this year, but 
you know, I don't think we're ready necessarily to do any damage this final series. So um, we dropped games that we should have lost. And that's yeah. the easy thing to point out, Sydney and Fremantle, when we just needed one. Um, but, you know, it's probably where we're at. You know, I think I think that we will improve next year. Again, I think we lack stars. Yeah. We certainly need to kick more more goals. I think Christian Petrarca can't do it by himself. Certain, no, certainly um, not. So, you know, his, his transformation this year has been the most exciting thing. The consistency of Max Corn and Jack Viney has just been, um, <clears throat> um, I guess, super reliable, which is amazing. Um, that they need an injection of, of, you know, real talent to take us to the next level. We're just not good enough at the moment. But do we have signs of improving? Yes. Um, I think the coaching team, I think Simon generally is doing a very good job. I think he's incredibly competitive and incredibly driven. Yeah. And I really hope that next next year we make real progress for him because I reckon he deserves it. Um and I think that we have to trade really aggressively to get some more talent in because, um, you know, I, I just don't think the list is strong enough at the moment to do any real damage um, without getting, you know, a star forward. Um, my check would be amazing. Ben Brown would be great. Yeah. You know, they've both got many, many years of football to go. We need someone to kick goals for us. We need someone that will straighten us up. Um, and we need a really good ball user coming out of the middle. Yeah. Um, and we need to work out what to do with Christian Salem because I think he's got enormous potential and I'm not sure that he's played in the right spot. Um, so I think he's a beautiful kick and user of the ball and super smart. I reckon he could become Adam who's they like yeah. if they just changed where they played him. He's certainly our best kick. Right yeah, he's. I think you're spot on there. He's certainly our best, our best field kick in the team and you're right. I think and he's smart, you know. Yeah. And he makes good decisions. He's got clean hands. And he's, he's brave enough, you know, could it be a bit harder possibly, but, um, you know, I think he's got a huge upside as a playmaker for the club. So, yeah, I really, really like watching him play for you. It's good. Andrew, in July of 2003, you retired due to an injury. What has life looked like for you after footy? Um, I run a project marketing business, which is we sell apartments before they're built, so off the plan. Yeah. So um, we don't sell houses. We don't sell much completed stock, though we sell a little bit. Um, so it's like playing footy. It's really competitive. It's hard work. <laughs> the more um, effort you put in, the better the, re- the reward. Um, there's lots of highs and lows. There's only one way forward. Yeah. So um, it's it less tackling. Team, <laughs> I always tackling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard work. Um, but I've got two kids. I've got a, a daughter that's 14. Um, she's in year eight uh, now. She's a very interrupted year this yeah, year um, with COVID being at home. And then my son's um, 10, he, uh, Ben, he's in grade four. So I love coaching his footy and unfortunately missed a whole season of football yeah, this year. But um, he'll be back to it next year. So they're the exciting things for me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just off the back of that, we're, we're hearing and seeing a, li- a lot more, I suppose, emphasis on players transitioning out of footy and into life after footy. How was that transition for you? And how do you think, like, obviously, I think there's a lot of education about it now and it's such a prevalent issue. But I suppose, how was that for you in terms of, did you slide straight into real estate kind of post footy or, or how, did that, how did that look like for you? Uh, look, it's, it's always a bit of a convoluted way around. Um, <clears throat> I... Yeah, I mean, look, I studied, I had a commerce degree, I had a post-grad, I had some work experience, you know, I was connected in Melbourne, um, 
I had I moved overseas, then I moved to Sydney, then I moved back to Melbourne. So I had some time away from Melbourne, and then I basically started from scratch in an industry that I had very little experience in. Um, and then, like footy, grabbed every opportunity. Um, I, I changed employment um, three times in six years. So I spent two years at each business doing slightly different roles, getting different experience, getting paid more money, um, developing CV, etc. And then I ended up 11 years ago starting at, um, at Project Marketing Business. Um, and it's gone really well. Market's been um, really supportive of it. It's been lots of hard work, but it's been um, rewarding. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's it's um, really satisfying to, to sort of look back now on what's been a very long time and to have built a business um, uh, pretty much by myself, which is, um, you know... With, it's a huge uh, accomplishment. Yeah, amazing. So, 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 you know, that's very similar to football in many ways. So yeah, um, people say, do you miss football? I say, say not really because um, I do project marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Such a great insight. Well, Andrew, we appreciate your time so much. We're yeah, absolutely so thrilled yeah. to have you on, and, and really yeah. appreciate all 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 you listening to all our questions and and being good enough to um to answer them. And yeah, you continue to be a great ambassador of the football club. And as we said, it's it's been really really insightful looking back on your career. But hopefully, uh, yeah, forecasting a little bit more success for our red and blue club for the you know for the years to come. So mm-hmm. again, thank you so much, and um, we look forward to uh, catching up and and talking soon good on you tim and good on you steph thanks very much and all the very best with the podcast thanks and, so much uh, make, make sure you use me for contact into my um teammates absolutely you know, yeah we'd, we'd appreciate a, that appreciate a little easily. bit of a uh, yeah That's appreciate great. a bit of a share and maybe <laughs> a bit of a uh, yeah talking up we'd love to we'd love to have a couple of other guests it'd be great i'd love to continue on um, yeah. with this fun, so uh, yep Sounds good. All right, beautiful. Thanks, Andrew. All right, take care and um, we'll speak soon. Make sure you stay safe. Thanks very much. See you guys.